welcome to the Meta Church Podcast. We're thankful that you're taking part of your day to spend it with us, and we pray this message encourages you, inspires you, and leads you to experience the transformative power of Jesus in your life. You know, a few weeks ago, I did something that I hadn't done in literally 36 years. 36 years it's been since I've done the thing that I did just a few weeks ago, and that thing that I did was spend one-on-one quality time with my mom, like extended quality time with my mom. See, a few months ago, I booked a ticket to fly down to Columbia, South America to visit with my mom where she lives, and it was just me. There was no like me, my mom, my family, my brother, my sister, or whoever, it was just me. And you say, well, Ricky, how is that possible? How is it that you've never spent that time? Well, let me explain. I'm the oldest of three kids. Um, I was born June of 86, so this year I'll be turning 37 years old. And my brother, who's the middle child, was born um, in May of 87, so literally 11 months after me, which means that the last time I spent extended one-on-one time with my mom, it was just me and her because my brother was born 11 months late. I was an infant. I was like a toddler, not even a toddler yet. I was a baby and unable to do anything. And then we grew up, of course, and it's my brother, my sister, my mom, and then my dad. Um, and then, so we're in this home. And then I went off to college at 18. I got married at 21. So by the time I graduated college, by the time I was out of school, again, it wasn't me. It was me and my wife and my mom was remarried. And so then it was her and her husband. And then eventually we had our daughter. Uh, Chris and I had our daughter. And so it was our family. So every time I've spent time with my mom, it's always been like, you know, a family gathering. Uh, it's always been like a holiday or something like that. So we've never had this extended one-on-one time up until a few weeks ago. Let me tell you, it was incredible. I love that it was so like sweet. It was so rich. I mean, it was just so meaningful and impactful. Like we went down, like, you know, I went down there, we traveled, uh, we did some sightseeing, we hung out, we ate a lot of food. Um, we drank a lot, a lot of coffee. My mom lives in Pereira, Colombia, which is like the, um, like, coffee capital, like her department is the coffee capital of Colombia. And so there's anywhere and everywhere I could get it. I was getting coffee uh, and enjoying, you know, that experience with her. We visited with family and cousins and aunts and uncles and, and did all of this stuff. We talked, we laughed, we shared stories. We talked about what God is doing in our life. She shared what God is doing in her life, what she's praying for and believing for, what God is doing in my life, what God is doing in our church. I mean, it was just such a rich experience. And I've got some photos because it's probably helpful to see. So like, I'll, I'll kind of like zip through a few photos. So here's a, a photo of me and my mom uh, hanging out. You can see beautiful weather, lovely country. I mean, just a great, great experience. As I mentioned, we got to hang out with family. And so we had, you know, visit with my uncle and my aunt shared lunch together. And so uh, you see us hanging out, having food. And, um, you know, we got to go do simple things like go to like an eco park and, and, and walk through, you know, like uh, a nature walk through like a bamboo forest. And, and so like, here's like a selfie of that. And uh, we did that. We, we even went to a theme park and you see kind of like this panorama of like us at Parque del Café, which is like a, literally translates coffee park. Um, and, and it's a, a theme park, like on the side of this mountain, uh, with beautiful vistas and you know we even rode roller coasters which is this last photo that you'll probably get a kick out of uh and, and you see my mom and i on the front row of this coaster and my mom's hair it's like blowing back i've got this devilish grin on my face um but probably the best photo and the best reaction is the guy in the top corner seat like you know the fear and the panic in his eyes so I mean, yeah, we, we just had an incredible time. It was an experience. It was, you know, it was an experience that I'll never forget. Something that I'm going to cherish for the entirety and the whole of my life. And it's hard to believe, honestly, it's hard to believe that this was the first time we had ever done something like this. It's hard to believe that this is the first time we had ever spent this kind of extended quality time together. It was so sweet. And as I said, I realized it was so rich, but it produced something different. It yielded something different that we didn't previously have or share in our relationship. 
See, unlike other times where we've been together with all of our family or we've been together for a holiday or we're traveling for some reason or going someplace, unlike those moments, this was just me and her. Quality time at its best and that quality of time produced a level of intimacy in my relationship with my mom that we didn't previously share or that we didn't previously have. And I share this experience for you or with you for, for one main reason, and that's fear. Fear. You see, I'm afraid that many people, maybe even many Christians, have engaged in a relationship with God in a similar manner in the way that I experienced with my mom. And listen, I don't know where you're at on the spectrum. I don't know if you're like a, a new Christian or new to faith. I don't know if you've been following God or following Jesus for a long time. I don't know if you're just kind of like, I don't really know what I think of this and I'm just here to see what this is about. Wherever you're at on the spectrum, you see, I believe there are people who have maybe spent time around God. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you grew up going to church and you've kind of been around God. You spent time around God. Maybe um, you, you even know about God. You read the Bible from time to time. You pray when you have a need. You believe that there is a God and you believe in God. And so you, you've made that decision. Or maybe you've taken a step further and say, listen, I, I want to I follow God. I'm going to believe on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to call on him and, 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 and profess my faith to him. And, 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 and that's kind of been like the, the interactions and the engagement that you've had with God. But because those have been the extent of the engagements or the extent of the interactions that you've had with God, it means that you've also had a limited experience or you've not yet fully experienced intimacy with God. See, so you know, those things are good, so don't get me wrong. Being around God, spending time with God, believing in God, calling on God, knowing Him as your Lord and Savior, those things are good and incredibly important. But those things are not the same as having intimacy with God. You see, you can believe in God, you can spend time around Him, and you can even follow Him. But that does not mean that you have intimacy with God. Just as I've spent time with my mom, just as I grew up around my mom, there's never been a time or a stretch in my life where my mom has been absent or not present. She's always been there. But it wasn't until we had this kind of dedicated, this quality time where intimacy in this way could be unlocked or intimacy in this way could be experienced. And I often hear as a pastor, I often hear people say, well, I don't feel close to God or God doesn't feel close to me. And it's something, again, that I'll raise my hand and say, I've experienced, I've said, and I've encountered in my own personal faith journey. But oftentimes the problem is that people aren't spending quality time with God. And that's the whole point of this series. That's the whole objective of this series that we just kicked off last week that my wife Krista preached the opening message on. This whole idea of being devoted, finding and unlocking intimacy with God. That God doesn't just want us to spend time around Him. He doesn't just want us to know about Him. He doesn't just want us to know who He is. He wants us to be intimately connected with Him. And as Krista preached last week, intimacy with God starts with communication. But what you need to know today is that intimacy with God is cultivated through quality time. Intimacy with God starts with communication, but it's cultivated, meaning it's nurtured, it's brought up through quality time. See, just as I shared how intimacy was cultivated during my time with my mom during that week, during that visit and that trip with my mom, the same is true for your relationship with God. Intimacy doesn't just happen because you prayed a prayer one day. Intimacy doesn't exist because you show up to church a few weeks out of the month or every week out of the month. Intimacy with God doesn't happen because you chose, you know what, I want to be a good person and do good things. No, intimacy is something that requires time. But notice, it's not just any kind of time. As I shared in that point, it's quality time. 
Because what you need to know is that quantity is not the same as quality. You can have a lot of something, but that doesn't make it worth anything. Think about that. You can have a lot of something, but it doesn't make it worth anything. Quality time is not the same as quantity. Ask any person, ask any person who's ever been married or in a committed relationship, and they'll let you know that quality and quantity are not the same. See, quality time is about intention and attention. It's these two things. It's your intent behind it, your motivation behind it, and how much attention and affection you give to it, the care that you put behind it. Again, I think about my own marriage. You know, we, we can spend a lot of time together, but there's a huge difference in my marriage. There's a huge difference between taking a Saturday and just sitting on the couch. Chris and I can sit on the couch all day long and watch TV, scroll through our phones, do whatever it is that we want to do. We could do that all day long, right? And have lots of quantity time. But there's a huge difference between that experience and one in which, you know, we've planned out a thoughtful day or we've planned out a thoughtful date. And it's like, hey, we're going to go to dinner at this place. We're going to go walk around this neighborhood. Uh, We might go see a movie or we might just hang out and talk. Um, We're going to sit by the waterfront and be, you know, engaged with one another. Like, that's a different experience than the one where we're sitting all day. Even if that experience is only for an hour, even if that experience is only for a couple of hours compared to or in contrast to this other experience where we sit all day on the couch, that's quantity of time, but quality of time is what we both crave. It's quality of time what we both desire. And fortunately for you and I, fortunately for those of us listening, watching, however you're engaging with today's sermon, um, fortunately for us, the scriptures are filled with people and examples of people who were great at this, who were great at developing or having quality time with God. From end to end, this book contains stories after story after story of people who were spending quality time with God and cultivating intimacy with Him. And my favorite example is none other than King David. King David is, to me, not just one of the prime examples, but maybe even the best example of someone who was committed to cultivating intimacy with God. And if you're unfamiliar with David, let me kind of share a brief bio of who this man is and why you or why you should care about what he did in his life. You see, David was an Old Testament shepherd boy. In other words, he was just kind of a, he, he was the runt of the litter in his family. He was one of the youngest siblings. Um, and, and he was just out taking care of sheep. He didn't have any sort of like crazy skill set. He didn't have any sort of, you know, position of authority or anything of recognition. He was just committed to doing his job, caring for sheep. Until one day, a prophet of the Lord by the name of Samuel comes to David's household, his dad's house. His dad's name was Jesse. Shows up to Jesse's house, says, one of your sons is going to be king, and I'm here to find out which one it's going to be. Of course, Jesse thinks, well, let me give you like my strongest sons. Let me give you my most handsome sons. Let me give you like the oldest sons. And none of those guys are selected or appointed by God until he gets to like, you know, Jesse or Samuel says, listen, these guys aren't it. Is there anyone else? And, and, and Jesse's like, I mean, there's David, but he's out in the field caring for the sheep. And so they want to call him in. So David comes in and Samuel in that moment anoints David as king, says, you have been God's, you are God's chosen one to lead the people of Israel. And David, much of his life and much of his story is comprised or, or, or comprises or makes up the whole of First and Second Samuel, uh, the Old Testament books of First and Second Samuel, First Kings, First Chronicles. David's story is kind of encapsulated in those things. And David would go on to, to be a prolific writer, 
author of many of the Psalms that we find in the scriptures, songs, poems, um, declarations of faith about who God is. You see, David, all throughout his life, from a young boy all the way into his kingship, had this intimate relationship with God. He was known and he was appointed as someone who had a connection with God. In fact, he had such an intimate, an intimate relationship with God that God himself said this about David. Check this out. The book of Acts 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 22. It says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That God said, here is someone who spends so much time with me. He is chasing after my heart that he is becoming like me. And so what I want to do today is look at one, just one of David's Psalms and see what quality time produced or what quality time looked like in David's life and how it produced intimacy in his relationship with God. And so we're going to be in Psalm 57. I'm going to read the entire Psalm for you today. It's 11 verses, so you can just follow along if you're on your uh, reading app, uh, if you're on a, a like old school Bible like me, or if you're just listening on the podcast. I'm going to read verse by verse the 11 verses found in Psalm 57. Here's what David wrote. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens, and may your glory shine over all the earth. Verse 6. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. Verse 9, I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Now, Psalm 57 is a very unique psalm. Not unique in its prose or its tone, but unique in its conditions or the circumstances in which it was written. You see, David actually had fled. David was serving in the king's household under the king by the name of Saul. And David knew that he was supposed to be there to help and to assist. In fact, one of his roles was to kind of just play the harp and calm the king with his like immense and intense anxiety and worry. But for whatever reason, the king grew paranoid and thought, David is going to take my throne. David is going to take my leadership position. And so he began to chase David and pursue David. He wanted to kill David. And so David, in this time of worry, this time of fear, decided he would flee. And he headed back to a place, to a region of Hebron where he grew up, a place where he shepherded, a place where he had kind of been out in the pastures with the sheep. And he fled to this cave, a cave located in a place called Agilom. And he hid in this cave, hid away from Saul, hid away from his pursuers, hid away from these people who David were once served alongside and once considered his friends. And here in this cave, he writes. Here in this cave, he connects with God. You see, in a time of fear and in a time of desperation, David fled to a place of refuge. He fled to a place that he had been before, a place where God had met him before. 
It was a place he knew he could run to because he knew God would meet him there, that he would encounter the living God in this place, in this space. It was, an, uh, it was a cave, yes, but it was a moment where intimacy or it was an experience where intimacy had been encountered. And so David knew that's where I need to go. That's where I need to retreat. And from this Psalm, what I find so significant is that David kind of highlights or emphasizes some of the things that really help him cultivate intimacy with God. In fact, I find three examples for what quality time looks like and how that quality time can be implemented. And here's the good news. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world, you can take these three things and implement them in your relationship with God as well to cultivate intimacy. And, and this is important, you don't have to go hiding in a cave to do it. So I want to share these things with you. Three things to know about quality time. And here's the first. Quality time is dedicated time. Let me say it again for you. Quality time is dedicated time. Now the dictionary, Merriam-Webster defines dedicated um, as this, to be given over to a particular purpose or cause. In other words, you have kind of yielded yourself, you have committed yourself. In fact, uh, not so ironically, a synonym for the word dedicated is the word devoted. Hence the name of this series. Devoted, dedicated, to be given over to a particular purpose or cause. And this is exactly what David was to God. He was devoted. He was dedicated. And he dedicated his time to God. Again, if you look back at verses 1 through 3, let me reread these and help kind of see it in this light. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purposes for me. He will send me help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. You see, in his time of distress and in his time of uncertainty, David dedicated himself and his time to God. Rather than game planning, right? Like if you're thinking, okay, these people are chasing me. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go here. I'm going to find this. I'm going to find this person who's going to help defend me, who's going to protect me. I'm going to do these. Rather than game planning and strategizing about his life and what to do with it and how to like, you know, protect himself or, or flee from his pursuers, he decided that the best use of his time was to connect with God. In fact, that's what he did here, right? Like he's writing, he's connecting with God intimately. And, and, and don't get me wrong, David was concerned, absolutely. He was concerned about his situation. He was fearful of what might happen to him, but he wasn't consumed by it. It, it was at the forefront of his life but he wasn't afraid of it. It was, it was there and it was present, but he wasn't wrapped up in it. And I think this is a great application for so many of us because so many times we neglect dedicated time to God. We're consumed with what's happening in our lives. Will I get that job? Will I get that apartment? Will I find that person? Will I have that opportunity? How will I pay my bills? How will I make ends meet? And we're concerned about what's happening. Will my family member be healed? Will that cancer be gone? Will that project be finished? And we're worried about all of these things and we're kind of wrapped up in these things and we dedicate our time to that. Let me finish this job. Let me finish this assignment. Let me finish this work. Let me do whatever it takes. And we dedicate all of our time to that and we neglect dedicating time to God. And that's the question you ought to be asking yourself. Is your time dedicated to him? Is your time dedicated to God? Is it time where you allotted where you say, I don't care what else is happening in the world. 
I don't care what else is happening in my life. This is dedicated time between me and God. There's no, there's nothing standing in the way. I've blocked this off. This is for me and God to connect. It's exactly what David did. He said, I need to run back to that cave where no one will find me, where no one will have access to me. And I will be hidden there alone with God. So quality time is dedicated time, but quality time is also undistracted time. Undistracted time. And man, do we live in the age of distraction? I mean, everything and everyone is vying for our attention. And listen, thanks to this guy right here, this handy little cell phone, it seems like anyone and everyone can get a hold of us at any single time. In fact, I was just reading about this, it's like crazy, that like Uber and, um, and Lyft have now like started to see a huge surge in revenue in their ad business because now they're serving you ads on the app when you're taking an Uber or a Lyft. You can't even ride in the backseat of a car in peace anymore. Someone somehow is trying to get a hold of you, but it's not just a distraction, right? Like it's not just that we are distracted. It's how long it takes to recover from the distraction. I was just sharing this with our leadership team a few weeks ago as we were talking about our present DNA, that like distractions not only eat up time, but it takes on average about 30 minutes to recover from the distraction. So it's not just that we get distracted and however long that takes, but to rebound and to kind of return back to that moment, return back to that place of connection, return back to that place of interaction will take nearly 30 minutes to do. And that's why I love the example that David set. That's why I love the way he went about it. Again, if you look at the scriptures, let's look at verses four through seven. David says this, I'm surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. Verse six, my enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from the distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. Verse seven, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praise. And I don't know if you caught that, but it feels like David's kind of like, pinballing back and forth, right? Like my enemies are doing this, but God, my heart is confident in you. But these, these lions are trying to devour me, uh, but be exalted, oh God. And he's like kind of bouncing back and forth. And he's realizing he's getting distracted by what's at hand, but then he's trying to come back. He says, no God, but I need to be focused on you. This is what's happening, verses four and six. Lots of distractions, lots of fear, lots of things to be worried about. I don't know if he's talking about lions like the real animal and the mountains that are kind of chasing after him or if he's using it as a metaphor to talk about these people. But he's like, this is what's happening in my life. And yet he says, okay, you know what? But I need to focus on you. Be exalted, God. You know, be, be praised, God. My, my heart is confident in you, God. I need to be, remove these distractions, so much to be distracted in, in verses four and six between the enemies and predators and what's happening. But then verses five and seven, he says, no, but I need to be focused on you. I need to be concerned with you. I need to be committed to you. And, 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 and I love that David was able to kind of adjust his focus and say, I, I need to eliminate these distractions. And we see this modeled in the life of Jesus, right? The, the gospel writer Luke gives multiple examples of this in which the times where Jesus was like overwhelmed by the crowds, or the demands of ministry had gotten so large that he says he just kind of removed himself and would go to desolate places, places where he wouldn't be distracted, places where he wouldn't be occupied with other things going on or concerned with what was happening. Jesus would just kind of find his way back to these places and these spaces where he wouldn't have any distractions. He found ways to retreat just as David did. 
And listen, I think this is so crucial for us because having undistracted time is harder than ever, which is why I think it also makes it more important than ever. Having undistracted time is harder than ever, which is why I think it makes it more important than ever. And, and, and listen, this is something I've practiced in my own life. I, I've gone to the extent of like, I'm gonna go do personal retreats, three or four days, just me, myself, and God, and that's it. Like no cell phone signal, no Wi-Fi. I just wanna connect with God. I make practice of this um, um, during the week where I'm like, I need to eliminate distractions. I don't need to be on my phone. I don't need to be like talking with other people or have television on or even music on. I just need to be connected with God. Undistracted time. And you have to learn to do the same. If you want intimacy with God, if you wanna cultivate intimacy with God, if you wanna lean in, to quality time, then you need to learn to eliminate those distractions, to push out the noise, to push out the things that are going to be standing in the way and learn how to find that place, to find that space where you can connect with God. And it's just you and him and nothing else. That the concerns, the worries, the distractions, the things you could be distracted by are not in play and not affecting the intimacy and the relationship you could have. So I've given you the first two pieces. Now here's the third and final piece. Quality time is consistent time. Quality time is consistent time. Now this step or this piece is kind of like the multiplier. It's the thing that takes it to the next level. You see, intimacy in any relationship does not happen because you had one great date, okay? Like think about your dating life. Maybe you don't want to think about your dating life. Um, think about your relationships. Intimacy in any relationship does not happen because you had one great date. It doesn't happen because you spent a few dedicated hours with one person one time. Intimacy is cultivated because you commit to quality time consistently and repeatedly. Now, for many of us, this is where the drop-off happens. For many of us, this is where uh, we, we fall short. We start with great intention, but then over time, we lose the attention that we once had. Again, remember, we said quality time is about intention and attention. So we start with great intentions, but after a few days, after a few weeks, maybe after a few months, we trail off and we fall off a bit and we desire intimacy with God, but it's stunted. Our intimacy with God is stunted by our lack of consistency. You see, your intimacy with God will only be as good as the time you spend with him consistently. Let me say that again in case you missed it. Your intimacy with God will only be as good as the time you spend with him consistently. And again, we can look at the life of David. Again, we could see in David's life that he would run, that he would retreat, that he would go back to this place where he could have dedicated time, where he could have undistracted time, but he also had consistent time. Look at this in verses eight through 11 and what he wrote. He says, wake up my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. You see, David said, listen, wake up. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to praise you, God. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to pray to you, God. I'm going to spend time. In fact, my prayer, my praises, my worship is going to be so loud that it says in verse 8, he's going to wake up the dawn. He's going to be the one that brings light to the situation. And mind you, then verse 9, David says, I will thank you among all the people. But you got to remember, David was in a cave by himself. So he says, listen, I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to do this consistently, whether I'm by myself or I'm in public, whether it's the morning or whether it's the night, whether it's the day or whether it's before the dawn. 
God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to cultivate intimacy with you. I'm going to do it consistently, no matter the conditions, no matter the circumstances, no matter if I'm in a cave or no matter if I'm sitting on a throne. David was consistent. He had his routine. He had his approach and he was going to worship and he was going to praise God. and He was going to honor God. And he was going to spend time with God in a consistent manner, no matter what was happening. And I feel like, I feel like that for many people, <clears throat> their relationship with God would be completely overhauled if they just spent time with him consistently. If they just said, you know what, this is my time that I spend with God. This is my dedicated, uninterrupted, consistent time with God. I don't know if that needs to be in the morning for you. I don't know if that needs to be in the evening. I don't know when it needs to be, but I do know it needs to be. And it needs to be consistent. See, I'm convinced that part of the reason David was able to write so many psalms and to write so many songs and things about God was because he was devoted to these three things. Dedicated, undistracted, consistent time with God. And I think Psalm 57 is a prime example of this. In a time where David was fleeing, in a time where David was in hiding, in a time where David was being pursued, he fled to this cave, this cave at Agilom, where he could hide, where he could encounter God, where he could reconnect with God. And you know, back in 2015, I actually had the privilege of visiting this cave of going to the cave at Ajalam and sitting in this cave, the same cave where it is believed David penned Psalm 56 and Psalm 57. That from this cave, he would write these words. And I had the opportunity to go into this cave and to sit in this dark, damp, cold, lonely cave. In fact, I have a photo to show you. And it's not the best photo because it was a photo taken on a cell phone in 2015 in a dark cave. And you can see this photo up on the screen, myself and about 11 other people there on this day. And I sat there in this dark, lonely, quiet cave. And I was reminded and I realized that it's often in those dark, quiet, lonely moments where you have the most intimate encounters and experiences with God. When it's just you and Him, no one else, nothing else. It's just you and Him. And that's exactly what David experienced. See, David was fleeing for his life, running from those he served alongside of, running from those who once he, he once considered friends. And he returned, he retreated back to this cave. He was a fugitive who was in pursuit and he retreated back to this cave where he could connect with God, where he could have intimacy with God. And it was there that God would whisper these words that David would so poetically write, but it wasn't just God affirming David through his words. God would then send hundreds of men who would come to anoint and call on David to be their king. You see, David fled or David ran to this cave as a fleeing fugitive but he walked out of this cave as a crowned king. 
He went in one way and came out another way. And the same can be true for you. When you spend quality time cultivating intimacy with God, you will go in one way and come out different. Who you are at the return is not who you were when you went in. And if you cultivate intimacy with God, you too will be changed. I can't promise that you'll be the next king. I can't promise that you'll be the next great songwriter or poet. But I can promise you this, that if you commit to dedicated, undistracted, consistent time with God, you will be different. Your life will be changed. Your life, your faith, your devotion will be transformed and your intimacy will be unlocked. So the final question I'll leave you with is what will you do about it? What will you do about it? Will you find dedicated, undistracted, consistent time this week to connect with God and to cultivate intimacy with him? Let me pray for us, and then we'll turn and pivot to a time of worship. Thanks again for joining us today on the Meta Church Podcast. To connect further with us, find us on Instagram or visit us online.